Thank you so much for joining us today for Declaration's online message. I'm Daniel, one of your pastors at Declaration. And if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We wanna know more about you and for you to know more about who we are. I wanna invite you to text CONNECT to 43000. You will receive a link to an online connection card. So do me a favor, fill it out. We wanna connect with you. Also, everyone's invited to attend our in-person worship services every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. at Snyder Elementary in Spring, Texas. Hey, check out this video of some upcoming events you don't wanna miss. Hey, Declaration family, I'm Aaron, and I wanna take a minute to fill you in on some things you don't wanna miss. So whether you're joining us online or in person, welcome to church. It's not too late to join a group at Declaration. The online directory of all groups offered is open for you to explore and register. There is something for everyone. We hope you will jump into community this fall because we are designed by God to grow closer to Him and closer to each other. Don't miss the opportunity to find great friendships and grow your faith. To learn more about groups, find a pastor or serve team member, or visit the Declaration website. DNA 2 is coming up on September 22nd, so get excited. DNA 2 is the place to be if you have completed DNA 1 and are ready to learn more about how God has created you and how you can elevate your influence and leadership. At DNA 2, dinner will be served and you will get to experience what it means to be in leadership right here at Declaration. Check out the Declaration website for more information and to get signed up. 2 Corinthians 8-9 teaches us that generosity is a privilege. We are reminded that generosity sets the table for others to encounter and follow Jesus. To be a part of generosity declaration, just pray and ask the Lord what He would have you give and then be obedient. There are a few ways you can give through declaration. You can text GIVE to 43000. You can visit declaration.org give or you can drop your giving in a box at one of the response tables. If you are visiting for the first time, we want you to know that we consider you a part of the family and we would love to get to know you. Do us a favor and text CONNECT to 43000 and fill out a connection card right on your phone. You can also scan the seat back in front of you or find a connection card at the response tables. Okay, that's it for now. You can find out more information about everything you heard today at declaration.org or the Connection Center in the lobby. We are so glad you joined us for worship today. It's never too late for us. This is our place. Look how far we've come. I'm rising like the sun. guys. Um, I hope that you are having a great morning so far, and I hope it just gets gooder from here. Come on, right? Some good grammar right there. Well, hey, um, anybody, do you remember when the first time it was made known to you, I don't know, through maybe you figured that out or somebody told you that maybe you needed glasses, anybody? Is, that, is, is there anybody that they don't know what I'm talking about because you've got perfect little eyes for your perfect little life? Yeah, whatever, right? No? Okay, good. Well, I remember the day, I, I won't forget this because I thought I had pretty good eyesight. I didn't think I needed glasses. I mean, I had made it way longer than anyone else in my family. I was probably into my 30s at this point. Um, now, I knew that the, you know, the, the purpose, obviously, of your eyes is for what? Vision, right? So you can see. 
And um, I got to a place where I, I, I guess I, maybe I started thinking, well, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I'm not that 2020, I'm not flying a jet plane anytime soon, I don't know. Um, I, I realized, you know, that I'd started training myself to compensate. Anybody ever done that before? Like you realize I, I'm, I'm squinting or whatever else, you're compensating, which did make me then begin to, you know, get, up, get out of my, um, uh, my uh, okay, I've got to, I probably need glasses, I'm old now, and so... Um, you know, now I will say this in childhood, it's not that I didn't put my eyes through some crazy stuff that might have necessitated glasses, for example, but not limited to one time I got super glue in my eyes. That's probably another story for another day. Um, and so there's the eye doctor telling me, I think you need glasses, right? Um, but I was thinking, but it's not that extreme. I mean, I can still read, I can still see, it's not bad. So I did like every other good middle aged person does. I go and try to, you know, find readers, right? And um, the readers don't work for me. And I'm like, nah, this is too blurry. Therefore, my eyes are probably fine. I'm good. I don't really need those things. And, but it's a funny thing when it's just a little off, right? Like, I don't know, at least uh, I've seen this on TV. I'm not a pilot. I know we have some pilots. So if I'm wrong, just kind of, Kevin, help me out here. But, um, you know, like if, if you set the plane's course one degree off or two degrees off, it can take you to a totally different place, right? Is that correct? At least that's the way it is on TV. And every, everything on TV is true, obviously. So... You know, um, so anyway, I, I, I find myself compensating, and, and um, I, I realize, okay, I probably need to go check this out. I go get glasses, right? And uh, I won't forget, because the day I went to pick them up, and I, and I put them on for the first time, I was like, oh, my gosh. It's like all of a sudden, we went from, like, high def to 4K. You know what I'm talking about? Probably, I'm giving myself credit. It was probably more like, oh, this is what high def actually feels like, Right? It's like I could see, like things were so vibrant and so clear, it was just unbelievable. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. Like if you've got glasses, take them off for a second, right, real quick. Now put them back on. It's different, right? Completely different. Think about this. Now, just as I knew, <laughs> some of you are like, no, because I've got perfect little glasses for a perfect little life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just as I knew the, perf- the purpose for my eyes so I could see, Jonah knew that he had a purpose for his life. He was called to be a minister and a preacher and a prophet. But as we've seen play out through his story, um, he couldn't see very clearly. There were some ways where he just couldn't see very... Somewhere along the way, life got a little blurry for him. Somewhere along the way, maybe he began to compensate, right? Things happened. Um, Things happened that, that maybe... Threw him off course just a bit. And, and somewhere along the way, he began to compensate. He allowed himself to get used to the way he saw things. That's what I was doing. Well, I was used to the way I was seeing things. I was used to the way I was reading things. He allowed himself to get used to the way he saw things. It gave him a perspective on God's word and God's people and God's will, just as we saw way back in week one, which caused this wrong attitude toward those very things. God's word, God's will, God's people. And so Jonah ran. We saw that, right? He ran from God. Somehow, somewhere along the way, Jonah couldn't even see his own rescue. He easily forgot the provision, the protection of God because he was running from the purpose of God. He couldn't see the grace of God. He couldn't see the mercy of God in his life. He couldn't see God's heart for him, much less anyone else. See, here's the truth this morning. Listen to me. It's hard to keep proper focus when you can't see clearly. Duh, right? It's hard, to keep pro- you, it's hard to keep proper perspective when you cannot see clearly. Somewhere along the way, Jonah forgot that God loved people passionately. He had a passion for people inclusive of himself, Jonah. God had a passion for Jonah. 
See, Jonah forgot God's heart for people, including himself. It's why he ran. It's why he found himself in the belly of a whale. He ignored God's holiness. He forgot God's mercy. So he decided he didn't like the Ninevites. So who cared about him? Who cared? But he forgot that it was God who cared. And God cared deeply. He was so blinded by his disdain for the people of Nineveh, his anger and his offense got the best of him. Unbelief in the actions of the people of Nineveh just just gripped his mind. Political loyalty to Israel, as well as his hatred of these people and his desire for retribution, he lost his ability to see God's heart clearly. And he felt like he was justified in it. His bigotry had created in him a severe blind spot. Now, let me define bigotry for you. This is actually according to Webster's, and I thought that the, the first definition was kind of funny. Bigotry, the attitude, the state of mind, or the behavior characteristics of a bigot. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> You're supposed to be like the master def- definer here. Number two, the, the character or mode of thought of a bigot, obstinate, um, an unreasonable attachment to a particular, now watch this, an unreasonable attachment to a particular creed, opinion, practice, ritual, or party organization, excessive zeal or warmth in favor of a party, sect, or opinion, intolerance of the opinions of others. So see, here's Jonah. He's allowed his bigotry to create this severe blind spot, rendering him without the ability to see clearly. He did not have proper perspective, but even with this says, his perspective has nothing, listen to me, Jonah's perspective had nothing to do with God's prerogative. Nothing. I, I believe Jonah knew that. Look, Jonah knew what God was up to. He had this call to Nineveh. Jonah knew that God could, could, God could possibly forgive these horrible people. And Jonah did not disagree, right? I'm sorry, he did not agree with God on this. But Jonah's perspective had nothing to do with God's prerogative. God's prerogative was not conditional upon Jonah's perspective. And God did not need Jonah's permission. And God had a passion for people, including the Ninevites. So what happened? Here's what we saw, verse 9, chapter 2. Jonah finally chooses obedience from this place of of provision, strangely, which is in the, in the belly of a whale. God delivers him to dry land. We see that in verse 10. Um, um, chapter 3, Jonah proclaims what God told him to proclaim. 40 days until God completely wipes you out, unless you repent. We saw that in verse 4 of chapter 3. The people of Nineveh, we go on to chapter 3, verse 5. They, we find them humbling themselves. They're, they're covered in sackcloth, sitting in ash. Um, the, there's a fast that's called. They repent. And at the end of the last week, we saw in verse 10 of chapter 3 right there that God's saw their deeds, um, he, that they had turned from their wicked ways, and then God relents concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them. He did not do it. That's where we end, and here comes chapter 4. And this right here, verse 10, what God did displeased Jonah greatly. It displeased Jonah. Jonah becomes angry. Everybody say angry. The fact that God would actually forgive these horrible people. Why would God do this for them? Now go with me this morning. They didn't, these people didn't deserve forgiveness. These people did not deserve the mercy of God, according to Jonah. Jonah couldn't see clearly. Because look, Jonah was looking at this situation. He was looking at these people through improper lenses. Jonah was looking through the lenses of his Anger. Everybody say anger. Look to a neighbor and say, time to buckle up. 
He was looking at these people through improper lenses, the lenses of anger. God relenting greatly displeases Jonah, and Jonah becomes offended. He's angry. He was already sitting in the seat of judgment, putting himself in a, in a chair he did not belong in. And now he's angry. He's just mad. Can I share something with you that I've kind of learned the hard way personally, just a little bit? It's hard to see the heart of God when you are looking through the lenses of your offense and your anger. It's very difficult. I would even say impossible. It's hard to see the heart of God when you are looking through blurry lenses. You don't have the right perspective. Here's the truth. The lenses you look through will become the filters you live through. See, God relenting greatly displeases Jonah, and he becomes what? Angry. So he prays to the Lord and says, check this out. Look how Jonah speaks to God. On one hand, it's admirable, kind of, that Jonah can be this honest with God. On the other hand, this is how Jonah spoke to God. He prays and says to the Lord, please, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my own country? Remember the first call comes to Jonah, and I want you to, Go to Nineveh. Uh, isn't this what I... Didn't I know you would do this, God? Is this not what I said? Didn't I know that you would forgive them? I mean, here's the, listen, here's the first thing I want us to take away this morning. Obviously, God has this passion for people. He desires to use us. He invites us into his purpose. Um, he, he wants us to share his passion for people. But when we choose to look through the lenses of our judgment and our offense and our anger, we will begin to question God's character and God's heart. That's exactly what Jonah's doing. And here, look, here's the title of the message today. The heart of the matter is heart matters. Heart matters. Heart matters. The heart of the matter is, the heart matters. When we choose to look through the lenses of our judgment and our offense and our anger and our unforgiveness, we will begin to question God's heart, God's character. God has this passion for people, including us. And when, when we live these surrendered lives unto him, we should see the way that he sees. But when we choose to look through the lenses of judgment and the lenses of offense and the lenses of anger, we will begin to question God's character. We will question the heart of God. Jonah questions God's heart. Didn't I know you would do this? Look, so therefore in anticipation, he says, I fled to Tarshish. I knew, God, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God. You were a God who was slow to anger. You were a God who was abundant in mercy. You were a God who relents of disaster. So what is Jonah really saying here? He's saying, I knew all these things about you, God. I knew this was your character, God. I knew that this was your heart. But God, I think you're wrong. You missed it on this one. See, he's questioning the character and the heart of God. Therefore, in anticipation of this, he says, I fled. I ran. I know you said, go this way. I went that way. I know that your route was, it was a good distance, but it wasn't terrible. I chose to quadruple that distance and go completely the opposite direction, fleeing from your spirit. So I thought, I knew that that wasn't even possible. This is not what I wanted. This is not what these people deserve. They deserve to die. And God, obviously, you should listen to me because I know better. Can you see that Jonah is not seeing very clearly. I mean, with this attitude, Jonah is outright opposing God. He's pushing back against the heart of God. He's pushing back against the heart 
of God. I knew this is who you were. I knew that this is how you were. I knew that this is what you would do. Jonah is so consumed in his anger. He's so consumed with his offense against the Ninevites. He's so consumed justifying his need for justice. He's so consumed in his desire for retribution. He can't even see his own opposition to God, the heart of God. He can't see it. He's looking through the lenses of his offense and his anger, and he's living through those filters as well. The lenses you look through will become the filters you live through. So much so, look what he says next. So now, Lord, just please just take my life. Just end my life. Just end it. Take my very soul, is what he's saying. Take my soul from me. For death is better to me than life at this point. Now, here's proof positive right here of disobedience. Look at this. And remember what we've been saying. Disobedience is sin. It takes you further than you want to go. It costs you more than you want to pay. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. And look at Jonah's position. Look at what his offense and his anger is costing him. He can't see God's heart. He can't see the hardness of his own heart. I mean, how in the world could he really walk um, in obedience to God while walking so firmly in opposition to God? This may be something some of us may need to think about today. In Jonah's opposition of God, he can't even see that his desires have become the complete opposite of God's character and God's heart and God's desires. What does Psalm 63 verse 3 say? Look at it with me on the screen here. It says, because you're steadfast, you're faithful, you're enduring, you're forever transcendent, eternal love is better than life. My lips will praise you. See, God's faithful love is better than life. And here's Jonah throwing a temper tantrum because he didn't get his outcome, right? His experience wasn't matching his expectation. So he says, God, just kill me dead. Take my life. It's not worth it. It's not worth, though your faithful love for me and the Ninevites surely is better than life itself. I hate those people. God, did you see what they've done? I hate them and you love them. I want to see these people burn for who they are and you love them in spite of who they are. Therefore, take my life. I'd rather die than deal with this. Here's some also I hope that we take away this morning. Number two, looking through the lenses of offense and anger will not only cause us to begin to question God's character and God's heart, it'll, always, it'll also cause us to oppose and abdicate God's love. If his love is better than life, and here's Jonah, judgmental, offended, Angry, just take my life. Take it. We know that God's heart, God's character, God's nature is love. So see what can happen when we look through the wrong lenses, when we can't see clearly, because maybe we've grown too used to how we see. Maybe we have compensated for so long that now we're just used to it. This is just the way we see things. And surely God agrees with us, right? Look how God responds. Verse 4. But the Lord says, Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry? (laughs) Is your anger really justified, Jonah? I mean, can you not stop and see, I don't know, just for a hot millisecond, the mercy that I poured upon your life, Jonah? Can you not stop and see the forgiveness, Jonah, that I have offered to you? Do you have a good reason, Jonah, to be angry? Really? Really? Really, do you have a good reason? Then Jonah, watch this verse 5. He leaves the city. He sat down east of it. There he made a shelter for himself. And 
sat under it in the shade. And what he was doing, he wanted to see what was going to happen in the city. Here's something else um, that looking through the lenses of anger will do. The third thing, looking through the lenses of your offense and your judgment and your anger, um, it'll cause you to isolate yourself from community and create for yourself a facade or a shelter that we really should just call a pity party. I'm just going to isolate myself over here. Obviously, they're all wrong and I'm all right. I mean, you're, you're going to choose to remove yourself from God's passion, his heart, his character, his will. You're going to remove yourself from God's purpose. Jonah left the city. You're going to remove yourself from God's people. Jonah removed himself from community. See, maybe God will change his mind, Jonah thinks, maybe. Maybe he'll change his mind from changing his mind and he'll destroy these undeserving thugs. I'm going to sit out here and just watch, see what happens. You know, can I just be honest for a second? One of the hardest things of pastoring is watching this take place over and over and over and over. And sadly, even what's sadder and harder, this is just me talking about me. It's, you know, some of this is stuff that I have to deal with, that I'm praying through, that I'm struggling with, because I love people, but I'm not perfect. I'm not God. But I watched this happen over and over and over. And there's some families that I see it, and I know it happened in two churches before, and now it's happening here. It's just a chain of events that keeps happening. I see it in pastors as well. I was this guy. That's why I'm telling you this. For 21 years, I lived through the lenses of my anger and my offense and my hurt because I had a pastor say something to me that possibly, to give the benefit of the doubt, I misinterpreted at 19. At 40 years old in church plant training is when God said, hey, 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 you know that thing that you've been holding on to for so long? What if that's not what that guy meant at all? It's time to get free from that. And I see it over and over and over, and it pains me. But I can't, imagine as, as much as it might pain me, I think it pains the heart of God far more. It's the hardest thing I deal with as a pastor. It's probably why so many pastors are bailing out of ministry at record rates. Because while Jesus dies to give us freedom, clarity, you see it? Clarity. When we live through the lenses of our judgment and our offense and our anger, we might need to start looking at the repetitive activity that we keep living into as well. Because you're going to see it happen over and over and over and over and over and over and over. When we look through these lenses of our hurt and our offense and our anger, then what happens is we choose to live our lives justifying our actions. That's what I did for 21 years. Just justify that. We choose to oppose God. We leave the city and community. I isolated myself. I had my people, some of them that I hired around me. I would be friends to you. You would invite me to your church. I would do something. You would love me. You would invite me back. But I just kept, I kept myself insulated and surrounded. I had been hurt before and I wasn't gonna allow that to happen again. Do you see it? Somehow, and in this process, watch this, somehow what we'll end up doing is then we just begin to blame God or we blame God's people. But the truth is, it's us. It's our pity party. We're the ones that removed ourselves and went outside of the city to have a pity party. All the while, God says, do you have a good reason to be angry? 
I mean, God asks, is your anger really justifiable? See, for people who have no reason for their anger, for them, carrying a victim card is far more important and appealing than carrying their cross. Shut up, pastor. (laughs) See, Jonah wanted to see what would happen. So he waited to see what would happen. But he knew what would happen. Because he knew God's heart and God's character. Remember our first point. When we choose to look through the lenses of our offense and our anger, we'll begin to question God's heart and his character. Jonah isolates. He sits in his little pity party. Look at verse 6. So the Lord God designates a plant. Um, this appoints a plant. I don't know what your translation says. Um, but he designates this plant. It grows up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to relieve him of his discomfort. So look at this. I love this. Um, uh, some commentary says this is like a castor oil plant to save him from discomfort. Jonah is overjoyed by this plant. He's rejoicing with joy. Even in his anger, God is providing for him. In 21 years of my anger, God provided. In 21 years of my anger, God even used me. Thanks, God, glory to God. I mean, even in sin, Jonah, God provided for him. See, we'll get happy when God does something for our good that we agree with. Jonah, he was overjoyed by the plant. But when he did, you know, when something bad happens that we don't like, watch this. So he, des- he designates this plant that grows up over Jonah, provides comfort for it, relieves his discomfort. Jonah's happy about it. Then God designates a worm, verse 7. When dawn comes the next day, the worm attacks the plant. The plant withers. Um, so, so designated a plant, good. Designated a worm, bad. And when the sun comes up, God designates a scorching east wind and the sun begins to beat down on Jonah's head. So he becomes faint and he begs with all of his soul again to die, saying death is better to me than life. Over and over and over throughout the path, God's like doing things for Jonah, helping Jonah, providing for Jonah, protecting Jonah, giving Jonah mercy, giving Jonah grace, giving Jonah provision, giving Jonah shelter, giving Jonah all that Jonah needs. God, just let me die. This is the worst. See, Jonah's perspective has nothing to do with God's prerogative. Ultimately, God's heart. Listen, no, let me say it like this. God's right is to deliver or to destroy. It's God's right. He can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. It's ultimately his right to deliver or to destroy. We serve a God who gives and a God who takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job chapter 1, verse 21 says it in a way that I can't. He says, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He gives, he takes away. It's ultimately God's right to deliver or to destroy. God provides the plant. Again, good, he gives. God designates the worm, not good, he takes away. He designates the wind, not good, super frustrating. It's ultimately his right to deliver or to destroy. But even in the worm and even in the wind, God is speaking to Jonah again. Could all of this exercise be so that maybe Jonah would finally learn a lesson? Here's something we may need to think about as we're navigating our Ninevehs today. We can worship him or we can complain about him. We should probably choose wisely. Verse 9, Jonah says to, or God says to Jonah, do you have a good reason to be angry about the plant? Jonah replies, I have a good reason to be angry, even to the point of death. Here's another thing. 
than looking through the lenses of, of offense and anger will do. Look at this. When we choose to look through the lenses of judgment, offense, and anger, we will justify our sinfulness in the name of justice. Of course I have the right, God. Of course I have the right. The need for our justice will begin to be justified in our sinfulness. We can't even appreciate what God is doing because we are expecting and wanting a different result. Here's the hard reality. When we choose to hold on and harbor bitterness, it might just cost us living in God's blessing. Verse 10, the Lord says, You had compassion on the plant, Jonah, for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and then perished overnight. You had compassion. You were super excited about that. Jonah, should I not also have compassion on Nineveh? The great city in which there's so many people. Should I not have compassion on these people? They don't know the difference. They don't know the difference between their right and their left. Completely spiritually ignorant. Like animals. Should I not have compassion on these people? See, God is basically saying, Jonah... How can you not see this? If you can have compassion for a plant, how can you not see my compassion for people that I created? There's no comparison. There's no comparison. So what happens next? P.S. This is the way the story ends, by the way. It's like, uh... I'm going to tell y'all something about Kelly and me. We'll get watching the series, and when the series ends, like the season ends, it's, a, it's not a good day in, our, in the Cheryl house. <laughs> <laughs> She's giving me that look, don't keep going. <laughs> yeah. It's not a good day. You're like, um, will there be a season two on Netflix here? <laughs> like, this is it. What happens? The story just ends. Aaron and I were talking, Aaron's like, yeah, man, that's the movie you go to. And when it ends, you're like, I want my money back, right? (laughs) But it ends. But watch this. It ends with God speaking. It ends as it began. God gets the first word and God gets the last word. I mean, think about what he's saying because what he's saying reveals that which is most important here. As he's provided, he continues to show Jonah. He provides for him over and over and over. He's saying, Jonah... (laughs) Have you not seen my compassion upon you? Should I not have compassion upon these people? Nineveh? Jonah, headline. It's not all about you, boo. It's not all about you. Yes, you're an important part of the story, but you're not the point of the story, Jonah. In fact, we're going to look at that in a few weeks right there. It's an important part. It's not the point. It's not about you, Jonah. God wants to use Jonah for his purposes. God wants Jonah to know his love. God wants Jonah to enjoy his presence. God wants Jonah to understand the gravity of his mercy. Remember, God is far more holy than we think he is, but he's also far more merciful than we think he is. But Jonah was allowing his bitterness and his anger and his judgment and his offense to potentially rob him of God's blessing. Jonah could not see clearly. He was looking through imperfect lenses. But he was also not just imperfect. 
He was choosing different lenses to look through that were not of the Lord. He was living his life through the filters of the lenses of anger and bitterness and offense and judgment. Now, I've said this before. I don't know, a few years ago we did a series and this kind of popped out and it's kind of come out two or three more times since then. But I still think it rings true. I think it was, it wasn't me, it was a word of the Lord. I really believe this. But here it is. You ready for it? We have become far greater addicted to our offense than we have appreciation for God's grace. And we'll let it rob us. Man, we'll let it take from us over and over. When we choose to look through these lenses, we will begin to question God's heart, his character. We will begin to oppose and abdicate God's love. It will cause us to isolate ourselves from God's community. It will cause the need for our justice to justify our sinfulness. And it could just cost us living in God's richest blessing. Because the lenses we look through will become the filters that we live through. Here's the last thing I'll hope that we take home with us this morning. Listen, we walk in abundant life when we choose to obey living into God's assignments. But it's hard to fully appreciate being a part of God's assignment, which promises abundance, when holding on to and living in our anger, in our offense, in our judgment, in our bitterness. The heart of the matter is, heart matters. Your heart matters. What's in your heart matters deeply. God is passionate about people. Make no mistake. You may not like them. They may not look like you, act like you, smell like you, run with people like you. They may not vote like you. But who are we to get angry at God's heart? Because thanks be to God, he has a heart for you and me just like he does for the Ninevites. So what's in our heart this morning? Listen, if God is passionate about people, the last, the lost, the least, are we passionate about people too? Are we? Are we willing to obey God when he says go? You know, if if God calls us to a Nineveh of sorts, out of his great compassion for the lostness and the darkness of that city, will we say yes and will we go? Or have we made it all about us? Are we wanting it our way? Is it our will? Is God's heart enough? Are God's desires enough? Are we okay with the God who gives but also takes away? Are we okay with the God who has the right to deliver and even to destroy? Listen, if this book had ended in the last verse of chapter 3, history would have portrayed Jonah as one of the greatest prophets, potentially one of the greatest evangelists ever. Think about it. Preaching one message A few words motivates thousands and thousands of people to repent and turn to God. That is no small accomplishment. But the Lord, (laughs) he doesn't look on the outward things. If there was never more a greater rebuke of, it's not about the work of your hands. It's about what's in your heart. I don't know what is. 
For those of us who are still trying to work our way to heaven, for those of us who have, have maybe we've been taught a tradition, um, and I don't think it was out of an ill intention, but the intention is, man, you got to be good, try harder, do better, work your way to God's favor, work your way to God's forgiveness, work your way to God's salvation. Man, if there was never a more profound rebuke, it's that right there. But look what Jonah did. Look at the activity of his hands. Look at the, look, look at his, I mean, his ministry. He, he just, all he did was he said, hey, 40 days, you're going to die, dummies. And then look, the whole city repents. We would go, man, that's anointing. We would have t-shirts, conferences booked. I mean, he'd be the next greatest thing, dude. Y'all be like podcast pastoring him, quoting him. Am I lying? Come on, somebody. But the heart of the matter is heart matters. See, the Lord looks at the heart. First Samuel 16 says, but the Lord says to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at the height of his stature because I rejected him. For God does not see as man sees since man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the... First Corinthians 4. Do not go on passing judgment before the time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring both to light the things hidden in darkness and disclose the motives of human hearts and then praise will come to each person from God. God doesn't look at the outward appearance. God looks at the see the heart of the matter is heart matters. So what about us today? What lenses are we looking through? Hey, where's that tool over there? Here's something, you know, we see like this. This is what we see. Before it was like this and we were feeling good about ourselves. Then all of a sudden we're humbled a bit and now we're here. And even still we see amazing things. Um, God gives us these things. I wish I had a microscope too because we can look down into things at such a small level these days. But we can also look through things like this and we can see further than we would have ever imagined. And even as, as great as this is, there's so many more telescopes that are exponentially greater that allow us to see even further. But here's the beautiful thing about the way we see. God gives us these tools to see. The better tools God gives us than these. And even better tools, Holy Spirit, God gives us to see clearly. And even better than that, as clearly as God gives us the ability to see on this side, God doesn't need this, the microscope, or this. God sees it all at the same time. Past, present, and future. I think, listen to me, church, I think we can trust Him. I think. So let's all consider the question this morning. Do we really trust Him? Enough to trust Him with our anger and our offense. Enough to trust Him with our God. I've been holding contempt against this person because they deserve it. And it's turned into a bitterness, a root of bitterness that I don't know if I can. That root of bitterness is blossoming in all sorts of other ways. It's affecting my marriage. It's affecting my friendships. I haven't been to church in a long time. In fact, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Blah, 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 blah. I, remember, we justify. On and on and on. It's cost me too much. It's kept me too long. Do we trust him enough with our anger? Do we trust his prerogative enough, his will? Do we trust when, do we trust God with him rendering justice and vengeance? Because the truth for us all is we don't see clearly. Let's just get real. We look through imperfect lenses, but God sees it perfectly. He sees it perfectly. He perfectly and clearly sees us at all times and we can trust him 
Are you living into God's purposes? Do you find yourself passionate about the things that God is passionate about, including people? Are you angry today? I get it. 21 years. Are you offended today? Are you forgiving and harboring unforgiveness? Are you allowing your bitterness to rob you of God's blessing? Or are you, maybe you're carrying someone else's offense. Maybe you hung out in their backyard too long, you forgot that there's another side of that fence. And you've been carrying their offense. Here's a test for this one, because trust me, I have to put myself through this test often. And often, I wish I could tell you I had an A plus on this grade. Are you angry on someone else's behalf? Has that anger caused you to be disobedient? Has that anger and offense caused you to isolate from community? Has that anger and offense caused you to complain about God's church or gossip about God's people? Has that anger and offense caused you to question God's heart and God's character? Could it be that these things have possibly kept you from God's calling, from God's purpose for your life, from maybe even the Nineveh God has for you? Could it be that God has a Nineveh for you, possibly to point these things out to you? The lesson, because maybe, what God meant as a test in Nineveh really is for testimony for us. Would you stand to your feet and would you close your eyes and we're gonna to pray together this morning and just give God a little bit of time that we may respond to him accordingly. If you're here with your eyes closed this morning and you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus, but you wanna find yourself in the deepest part of the favor and the blessing of God, it's not going to be found in your works. It's not going to be found in your riches. It's not going to be found in your education, your popularity, your morality, your fame, your social media status. It's not going to be found in the things that you do, the works of your hands for the church or for social justice. It's not going to, it's only going to be found. The richest, deepest place of God's favor and blessing is only going to be found with God. And the way that that can happen is through the door of Jesus and Jesus alone. And so if you're here and you've never trusted and surrendered your life to Jesus, right in this moment, would you just call upon his name? Jesus, I surrender to you. Say that. In your heart or even out loud if you feel comfortable. I surrender to you, Jesus. I invite you to take full control of my heart, my mind, and my life. Have your way in me. Whatever that looks like. Empty me of all the things that don't belong. All my past, my regret, my shame, my anger. And fill me with your Holy Spirit right this second, I pray. Allow me to see clearly as you see. And I pray this in your name, Jesus. Hey, with your eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, would you hold a hand up for just a moment? Keep it up for me. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Just hold a hand up. I see you. Thank you. Amen. If you're part of our online family this morning and you said yes to Jesus this morning, I'm going to ask you, just like I'm going to ask those in the room, if you prayed that prayer, would you today text the name Jesus, just Jesus, to 43,000? We want to take you to a place on our website that will help you understand just a bit more about this moment 
right here. It's the most profound, most important moment of your life. I promise you that. Text Jesus to 43,000. The rest of us today, let's just give God some time. The altar will be open. We just call these steps an altar. Altars are where sacrifices are made. See, Jesus was the last dead sacrifice so that we would be the living sacrifice. Amen. So maybe it's just a step of obedience. You would, in a step of faith, you would step out just a moment when the team begins to lead us. And you would find yourself, just you and God at this altar, just confessing and spending time with him in prayer. We have prayer team to your right against the big black curtain over here. We have response tables to the right and to the left and the front and the back of the room. Um, there's different things there. Uh, there's Lord's Supper. Some, some call it communion, the table, Eucharist. We have that available for you. Let's just respond to God appropriately how he calls you. He's always inviting us to that next step to go deeper with him. Amen. So the band's going to lead us. The team's going to lead us right now. And I'm going to encourage you, take that step of faith. Don't delay. Just take that step of faith. Move with the Lord as he's moving. As we sing. As we respond. He's so faithful to us. He's so faithful to us. Amen. Lord, I'm going to lay down this anger. I'm going to give you this offense. Take it. Hey, thank you so much for checking us out online today. If you need to make a decision about the next steps in your faith journey with Jesus, text CONNECT to 43000. And if you took the first step in your faith journey today by saying yes to Jesus, we want to know about it and we want to walk with you. So text JESUS to 43000. There you will find some resources and a message from Pastor John. There are so many ways to connect to Declaration. Check out declaration.org to find out more about who we are. Before we go, let's say our declaration together. Because of what the gospel has done in and to us, our lives exist to help people encounter and follow Jesus. We will devote ourselves to his word, his presence, and his people. We desire authenticity, intimacy, a heart of service, and to see his kingdom come. We are for Jesus and for people. Hey, have a great week. We're so glad you joined us. Bye for now.